moving right along with torts. In torts, we began to introduce a new topic, premises liability. In premises liability, you can say is similar to negligence, but it's its own kind of little category because of how unique it is. Just to give an overview in this episode of premises liability, here we're just going to talk about how it works as a general overview, and then we're going to talk about the liability of landowners and land possessors for those who are outside of the premises. So premises liability is a very old type of case law where we're trying to determine where an owner or a possessor has the duty to those outside or inside the premises or property that they have ownership or possession over. One could argue that this is a type of negligence, just as I introduced at the beginning, but instead it's got its own unique set of rules where it focuses on the status of a person and then uses that status to determine what kind of duty is owed to a person with that status. So there are three overarching types of status, and these are going to be those with, well, like, yeah, typically coming within a property, so it won't focus too much on them right now, but we're going to introduce them, so to speak. Uh, you have a trespasser, you have a licensee, and you have an invitee. So those are the three statuses that we'll talk about in the next episode. However, it has evolved to where there are exceptions to these statuses, such as what you do for a child who could be trespassing, so to speak, or a person who comes onto the property to defend the property, like a firefighter, and so on and so forth. So there's lots of variations that people can have with premises liability. So that's a very quick, broad overview of premises liability. Now let's talk about the liability that landowners may have to those outside the premises. And we have two cases here. We have Taylor versus Olson, and then we have uh, Sullivan versus the Wilmington Park. And we have two different, different things here where one is a natural condition and the other is going to be an artificial condition. I'll get into what that means in just a little bit. But as far as those outside the property, the original rule is that landowners have a duty to have no duty to protect others from those things that are a state of nature. So if you have a swamp and that swamp extends outside the property, well, then the person doesn't need to take care of the things outside the property to protect others from that swamp, even though it's going over the border of the property. There is an exception to this rule, and that is going to be trees. Originally, there was a distinction of urban versus rural, and that distinction is if you live in an urban area, you have fewer trees that are ornamental. You have a lot more people, and so ultimately urban trees could cause more damage, and so you have a greater duty to care for those trees to help others outside the property from being injured. And rural, on the other hand, is if you live in a rural area, lots of trees could be around. It could be very burdensome to take care of all those trees, and so you weren't expected to take care of all those trees. This case, Taylor versus Olson, kind of changes that a bit. What happened here is that I believe Olson is a logger, and he's logging trees on the side of a lonely highway, and it actually wasn't that lonely of a highway, as we'll get to in just a second, but Taylor was driving along this highway on a dark, 
cold evening and hit a tree that had fallen from Wilson's property onto the highway. So should Olson be responsible for the injuries that Taylor had sustained? And the court's going to say this urban and rural distinction isn't that great of a distinction. And the reason is because here, the highway was actually quite populous. A car would pass by once about every two minutes. Two minutes. All right, sorry. I don't know how, but the audio became disconnected. But people traveled across the highway about once every two minutes. And then also his profession was that he was a logger. And because of his profession... And because of all the travel, there were other considerations that the court needed to think about to determine whether or not he had a duty to care for these trees. And so they said yes, because he's among the trees anyways, because of his profession as a logger, and because there's a lot of traffic, he would normally have a duty to care for these trees. The issue here is that the tree that had fallen... If you conducted a standard procedure of looking at the bark, well, then ultimately you're not going to find anything that was actually wrong with the tree, and it would have taken an extensive drilling into the tree to find that there was any decay in the tree that had fallen onto the property, well, onto the road. And so, in other words, we were lacking cause. He did not cause the injury by his lack of an inspection. And so even though, so the big takeaway from this is that you're going to look at the circumstances of cases for things outside of your premises that are natural. If it's going to be a tree, you don't need to worry too much about other. And then here, in this case, because of the circumstances, we need to look at did he was he actually negligent and here he was not because there it was missing a cause in fact our second case is Sullivan versus Wilmington Park what happened here is that it was a baseball park and several games were played on the weekends and of these games several foul balls would fly over the fence and there was a 10-foot fence there to try and prevent foul balls from going off into the side alleyway but about two to three times a game, a foul ball would go off into the alleyway, and one of these times it hit the plaintiff. So the plaintiff sued, saying, I should not be liable, well, I should not be at risk for walking along a public walkway. Ultimately, what we learned from this is that this was an artificial condition. And we're seeing if his burden, the landowner's burden, is greater or less than to repair this potential injury that could occur to the person. And so there's a lot of learned hand things that we're getting into here with risk analysis of the burden versus the uh, the probability of injury and the injury actually occurring, the extent that the injury has. But ultimately, what we learn is that if it's an artificial condition, you're going to be more liable for those things that leave the property.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.